Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pebble Windows and Doors. You know, a new set of windows, a new door can do a lot of things for you. It can change the look, the vibe, the feeling of your home. It can add value to your home. Plus, it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Pella can turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality. So hit them up and give them a call. 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good pals at Runza. Runza and my podcast, we've teamed up. Got a pretty exciting summer sweepstakes that could win you one free Runza combo meal a month for an entire year. That's big time right there. All you got to do is head over to herdapmedia.com backslash sweeps. That's herdapmedia.com backslash sweeps to enter for your chance to win. You might get your free runs a game right once per month for an entire year. All you got to do is get registered for your chance to win. So head to herdapmedia.com backslash sweeps. get registered, and you might be the grand prize winner. Runza makes it all better. Okay, welcome back into the podcast, and we got a great one for you today. One of my favorite dudes and favorite Creighton Blue Jays of all time. Jahins Managa is my guest on the pod today, former Blue Jay. Uh, he's the first ever Creighton Blue Jay from Canada. He had a really good four-year career at Creighton from 2010 to 2014. Was a great shooter, energy guy, 3 and D stud for Creighton. And in his four years at Creighton, they went to three NCAA tournaments. He was Doug McDermott's running mate. He was his roommate. Just a, I mean, Jahans is a stud and he's had a really, really good pro career too, doing, uh, doing a great job overseas in a variety of stops. Um, and, and I wanted to get Jahans on my podcast to not just catch up, talk hoops, talk Creighton hoops, but the more pressing thing is I wanted to get him on to discuss the fact that Creighton has a team that is playing in the tournament and Jahans is on it. And if you haven't watched the tournament, it's on ESPN. It's been going on for, gosh, like five or so years. It's every summer. It's a really cool concept. It's a single elimination field of 64 tournament where the winner gets $1 million and second place gets nothing. So, I mean, it's it's intense. It's high-level basketball. And the the coolest thing is is that it's become a thing where teams with alums form from from certain colleges have teams. So... Marquette's team won last year, a Marquette alumni team. Ohio State's alumni team, Aaron Kraft is leading their crew. Like So it is a really, really fun tournament to watch because you got these alumni teams. Xavier's got an alumni group this year that's loaded with J.P. McKeera, Trayvon Blewett, those guys. And so finally, Creighton has a team. And the tournament starts on July 16th for... Creighton, the Blue Crew is the name of the team, the Creighton alumni team. You know, it's got guys like Chapman, Martin Crompel. There's also a, a few former uh, state of Nebraska kids as well 
on the squad, but it's it's the Blue Crew Creighton alumni team, and they tip off in Wichita against the Kansas State alumni team. That'll be that the tip again. It's it's Friday, July sixteenth. It's at three p.m. Central Time. It's on ESPN three, so you're gonna have to be able to stream it. Uh, but oh, I'm gonna be watching. I'm pumped. Uh, again, single elimination, winner wins a million bucks. It's fun to watch. So I wanted to get your hands on about playing in the tournament and then obviously talk some hoops with him as well as he, uh, his career at Creighton, playing with Doug, his pro career, how he sees NIL and college sports and next year's Blue Jays squad, bunch of different stuff. This one's great. I mean, Jahins, man of God, is an amazing guy. And it's for me, that group, Doug McDermott, Ethan Rogge, Grant Gibbs, Austin Chapman, Jahins Managa, those guys, like, I was around them all the time as as the radio analysts, right? I was on the road trips, on the planes with them, on the bus rides with them. Like, I, I helped out on scout teams at times during their run. I'd go play pickup, play summer league with them. And I got to know that crew really well. And I got to know Jahins really well. And just an amazing guy. Arguably the most popular guy in the team. Infectious energy. Everybody loves Jahins, man. I mean, just was one of those guys. Uh, it was great to watch him play at Creighton. It was great to get him get to know him off the court as well. And so you guys are really going to enjoy this. Um, he, he is just, he's one of the best dudes on the, on the planet, man. So let's get to it. Here is my podcast chat with former Blue Jay, Jahins Managa. Enjoy. All right, online now, if you felt like the energy has just, like, risen by a dramatic amount, <laughs> you you would be perceptive because Jahins Managa is on the line, former Blue Jay. Uh, Jay, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm out here, man. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. I uh, So, I went on your pod, Welcome to the Jay. Uh, the Hell yeah, yeah, you did. It, it had a blast. So, like, I feel like you set the bar high. Like, it's like you threw a party at your crib. I came in. It was, like, amazing. <laughs> now, now I'm throwing a party at my house. I got to, like, make sure this party is on point. I'm just glad. I'm glad that you remembered that I gave you the nickname, the Canadian Red Bull. And I'm glad that you do miss hooping with me in the Metro Summer League. Like, that, those are the only two things I wanted out of the podcast. I got them both. Well, I have to give you your flowers while you're still here because I've, I've heard through a grapevine that some people have been trying to claim the Canadian Red Bull Man. moniker, and I know it wasn't them. I know who it was, so I just have to make it clear on my podcast. Okay. I thought, you know, what better platform to do it than on my own first, and then now the world knows, or at least the Blue Jay world knows. I don't know if the entire world knows, but the world knows, and, yeah. and you know, you got your review written. Uh, recognition for you know the work that you put in. I put in a lot of work, you know. I, I just, I just, I just <laughs> give me give me some love for that. Give me some credit for that. How was how was the first year of, of of podcasting for you? Did you enjoy it? Like, what? How was it for you? Man, it was so much fun. It was a, a strange, obviously, with the time difference. I was in Lithuania all year, so I was about seven hours ahead of what Midwest time zone. Yeah. So that was a little difficult at times. I definitely lost sleep uh, every once in a while just to make sure I could record a few. Uh, episodes but man it was just so much fun to, just to be able to catch up with some of those guys because usually we do it because i was staying in touch anyways but the podcast kind of gave me a reason to just you know right touch or uh, check in even more so uh i obviously thoroughly enjoyed that those guys are still some some very good friends of mine as the guys have been on the podcast so uh it was a neat experience and i'm looking forward to more episodes especially uh, this upcoming year so uh, there's a lot of stuff i want to i want to talk about with you but i think the most pressing thing is the fact that 
the Blue Jay alumni squad, we finally got mm-hmm. a squad, man. Got a squad playing in the, the tournament, the TBT tournament that's been going on for a couple of years. People that don't know, it's on ESPN. It is a single elimination winner of the tournament wins a million dollars and mm-hmm. if you come in second place you get not a penny like that that's that's <laughs> the structure of this thing and yeah. you you guys are, are going to open up on friday in wichita i believe against the it's the k-state alumni squad is that correct that's right against uh purple and black aka yes. k-state alum what okay first of all how much of the of the tournament have you previously watched before Man, for the last handful of years, I've been paying attention to what's been going on over there. And, and it's just such a neat concept. You know, it's yeah. something that I just kept wondering, why don't we have a team uh, be a part of this as well? Uh, especially last year when I started the market alum one, I was like, I feel like we can compete. I feel like we have enough guys who are still playing pro who would be willing to come back. And, you know, obviously we're Blue Jays, so we know how to play the right way. We're, we're very well schooled and, you know, you know, playing as a team, playing together, playing unselfishly, and locking and, and knocking down the, the three ball. So any team that plays that way will give themselves a chance to win. And I just felt like we have enough pros and guys who understand the game of basketball to be able to do that. So it's cool that the guys behind the scenes were able to just kind of get it all together and, and gave us a chance to represent once again. And that's what I'm most looking forward to is another chance to put, I guess, not the Blue Jay jersey on, but something right. similar to that that's going to represent not only Penn University, but Omaha as well. What, what has been the – take me behind the scenes here of the process of getting ready. Because, like, this isn't like, you, you know, you show up and, like, roll the ball out. Like, you got to kind of right. have, like – you shit together a little bit. You know what I mean? You probably have to have some defensive concepts, a few set plays, like just general things that you're trying to do. Like what's that been like leading up to the game? Well, the prize is a million dollars. So you know those other teams are going to be ready. So we better have our act together yeah. if we want to give ourselves a chance to win. So uh, we just started training camp this week. Um, we're going to have a few practices headed up uh, before Thursday when we go up to Wichita. Um and Josh Jones is the head coach. It's a very familiar face for yep. Crane fans and for myself being obviously a former uh, teammate of his. And uh, right now we're just trying to establish, you know, our, our spacing, how we're going to play, how we're going to execute offensively. I think today we're going to add in a lot more defensive stuff uh, with our assistant coaches who are going to be in practice as well. So uh, it, it's kind of like a, a shortened version of, I guess, two a days if you want to compare it to the college <laughs> ball system, where coaches are literally just throwing everything at you, and then at the end of the week, you're just your head is spinning, and you're just trying to figure out how you got to. Where you got to. So, uh, I mean, like I said, we're we're all pros, so we know exactly. You know, we all have concepts in our minds. It's just a matter of all of us being on the same page of how we're going to execute those concepts. Um, and, you know, communication is going to be key. Unlike being overseas, everybody speaks English. Here, so <laughs> it's going to start up uh, a little bit how long it takes for us to be on the same page. So uh, I think we'll be fine. Um, I, I think, like I said, we know how to play and we're intelligent basketball players. Uh, once you get a decent amount of guys in, in the gym that know how to play and they know how to play the right way, uh, I mean, you should be able to execute and, and, you know, play well within that group. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Here's the thing, though. I, I was thinking about this. We know what Josh Jones' shot selection was like. 
dude, dude, dude had the green light all the time. So, Jay, he cannot give you any shit. If you take a quick three or something like that, you got to look at him and give him that look like, are you serious right now? You can't tell me. Hey, anything. look, I tell you what, Josh Jones, he's, he's on it because, like, we made mistakes yesterday and we had to run because of it. And here's the thing is that obviously he was a former teammate of mine. So once he said, Hey, get on the line. I looked at him kind of sideways and I was, I was like, wait, hold on. But the man is my coach right now though. So like, like we've all been in those situations where we had different coaches and whatnot. And there's kind of a level of respect that just naturally comes once you put head coach in front of anybody's name. Sure. So he said it on the line. I looked at him sideways like, dude, are you serious? And I was like, Oh, so that's, Head coach Josh Jones right now, and I just got my ass to the line and, and ran as I was supposed to. So, uh, like, if he says anything about my shot selection, I'm probably gonna have to kind of the same reaction. Look at him sideways, something, and be like, well, hold on, that is head coach Josh Jones at the end of the day. For the time being, until we win or get eliminated, eliminated, he's head coach Josh Jones, and I'll respect him as <laughs> He's he is though, Josh, Josh, and Marcus Foster probably. But Josh mm-hmm. probably is the gold medal winner of like the what the what the hell was yeah, that yeah, shot? That, shot. Yeah. No, 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 no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Josh Jones, uh, he should be if such a term was written in a dictionary, his face would pop up with that just, smile of his. For just sure. yeah, what's a just shaky shot selection? Like Josh, just uh-huh. see Josh Jones, you know. But that was that you know you play with confidence at the green light. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. The, the cool thing about this the the tournament. And fans, basketball fans have probably seen this a little bit if they have, they've watched the tournament or watched the All-Star game the last handful of years, is the Elam ending. Obviously, mm-hmm. for people that don't know, it is with the first dead ball with under four minutes to go in the game. The clock turns off, and whoever is in the lead, they get – there's eight points added to that score. And so the first team to reach that target number wins the game. So the game has to end on a made shot – which is which is really fun to watch. So what what do you think of of the Elam ending? So I got to play in the Canadian Elite Basketball League last summer, the CEBL, and they implemented that too uh, during the pandemic. It was just kind of a way to, you know, switch things up and make things maybe a little bit more exciting for the average viewer who who doesn't know about the Elam ending. I thought it was terrific. Yeah. I mean, every game ends on a game winner how much more exciting can basketball be than that you know so it's kind of like as soon as the four minute uh mark hits everybody's on the edge of their seat because all it takes is a couple of mistakes here and there and the the game can really swing you know from the cbl last year i saw that some teams who were down seven really never gave up and just kept putting the pressure on before you know it they hit a game winner and, and they steal a win so to speak because in an average game, if you're up seven with four minutes left, not that that game is totally out of, um, you know, uh, uh, spoken for, yeah. I should say, but it's just like the team who is leading has an extreme advantage. They could just sit on the ball, right. run their sets, run the shot clock down if they're intelligent and get the best shot possible, right? And eliminating all of that is thrown out the window. You still have to score. Like, you absolutely have to score to win the game. So, uh, it's going to be exciting for sure. And people who are not very familiar with that concept, I suggest that you tune in and, and just kind of check it out. And it's just a totally different approach to ending a basketball game. But, I mean, what is more exciting than a game-winning shot, you know, to, right. to win a game? And that's going to happen literally 64 times in the next two and a half weeks that TBT is going on. Yeah, I, it's it's – I enjoy it. I really do. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. it so you got to keep the foot on the gas. You can't just play not to lose and let the clock right. run out. Like you got to keep on on uh, on 
being aggressive, which is great. I, you know, you've like when you think about your, you've carved out, carved out a nice pro career here. Like, mm-hmm. where where are you at with it now? Can you see the finish line? Do you still feel like you're as good as you've ever been? Like, where do you are you on the back nine of your career? Like, where are you at with it? You think? I I definitely feel good. Um, my body feels great. Actually, I, I'm surprised that my body's held up as well as it has. Like knocking on wood, yeah. I, I've been blessed to not have too many serious injuries in the seven years pro that i've played i've only missed about five games um so that that's something i'm very thankful and and blessed about um i'm definitely on the back nine though i I really (laughs) like what Dwayne wade did with his career where he felt his body sort of you know start to shut down on him and he decided to end it sooner rather than later kind of go on his own terms you know Uh, i'm really feeling that kind of move um for myself like i've told a couple of people already i feel like i got about two, three good years left, and then I'll kind of reassess the situation when we reach that point. But more so than ever in my career right now, I'm just taking it on a year-to-year basis. But, like, if you were to ask me, hey, can you play maybe five years, I'll say, like, hey, that, I feel like that's maybe a little bit too much. Let's start at three. Let's see how I feel, and then we'll reassess the situation once we get there. Give me your, give me your best WTF overseas story because like I hear I, I hear from certain people like you know certain leagues and certain uh franchises and clubs that you're on everything's great right you're treated like you're treated great everything's awesome but then the opposite can be true you'll hear horror stories about some different things overseas what do, do you have any like what the hell is going on here story with playing pro overseas uh man i've heard so many horror stories i'm lucky that none of them really happened to me i guess the the standard one would be when the pandemic hit Uh, we literally went from like playing in front of fans on a saturday afternoon to playing in front of no fans on a wednesday to by friday the season is done and like we're all looking around like what is going on but i think that was kind of standard for literally everybody else around the world in their own respective jobs so that's not really too much of like an outstanding story but man i gotta think my agent he's kind of yeah it's great i didn't have those kinds of experiences i think gibbs didn't gibbs go to like Amsterdam and didn't have like a trainer and like or something like I feel like Gibbs had a rough first year Gibbs I mean I would want him to speak on his experience for himself but from the stuff that I heard yeah he (laughs) he wasn't placed in the best spots especially early on in his career so (laughs) I mean he's a head coach now it works it all worked out for him it did but yeah I don't know. There's some horror stories that you hear from for sure like I heard about people not getting paid for a while I heard about people like because of their poor play, the team decided to talk to their bank, and the bank froze their account. Oh while my they were god! Like I've heard a whole bunch of craziness like that, and I'm just I'm glad that I've never been a part of it. What what? Okay, you're a perfect guy to to answer this question. Like what what advice, or or maybe just thoughts would you give? players who are about to go overseas for the first time or are deciding between, okay, I might, I might, I could stay for my senior year of college, but I kind of want to go pro. I'm probably going to end up overseas. Like what kind of kind of jewels and, and advice would you drop for guys trying to size all that up and think about what it would be like going overseas? Man, I would just say to keep a, uh, keep an open mind. You know, you're going to go to an unfamiliar territory where you don't speak the language and people have different uh, customs and norms. 
just keep an open mind about everything that you're around and, and just try to learn a different culture. You know, sometimes we're, we're, we're taught that like everything that we're taught growing up is the right thing to do. It's not necessarily true. You know, other people yeah. do things in a different way and it might be right for them and it might not be right for us, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong altogether. So just keep an open mind. I remember my first year I was in Romania and I just like the culture, like kind of, it was certainly a culture shock, like for sure, because I didn't know the language, like things were a little bit different around me. And I found myself kind of like shutting down a little bit, like especially in the first couple of months. And I just kind of realized like, hey, these are just average people just like you and me. They go to work every day. They try to provide for themselves and their families. And they have fun on the weekends whenever they, they have a chance to. Like they're literally just like you and me. So once I kind of realized that, it just allowed me to open back up a little bit more and, and enjoy myself a little bit more. And looking back on that first year experience, like it really taught me a lot about just being that far away from home and away from family and friends, uh, how you can still enjoy yourself and and even though you're in unfamiliar territory. So certainly keep an open mind. And, and you know, for the guys who are thinking about leaving your junior year, I think I'm going to end up being overseas anyways. If you don't think you're an NBA guy, Honestly, enjoy all of college. That, that's what I would say because I certainly enjoy my experience here, and I would hope that everybody has that same type of experience sure. if they come to see you or not. So, right. uh, yeah, certainly just while you're young, just enjoy the present. I guess would be my best advice. Right? Did did basketball? I never played professionally, so I, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Like, did basketball? immediately feel different with the implementation of money and a salary where, you know, you talk about how it, I mean, it becomes your job. Like this is like how you are going to, you know, support yourself like versus Mm -hmm. how it was in college and in high school, or did it always like, did it just still feel like basketball? So I'm going to ask you a question rhetorically, I guess. (laughs) What comes with money? Yeah. Uh, Problems, stress. Politics is what it is. Right. So, yeah, there's certainly like a little bit of a shift uh, going back to that year in Romania. I started off the year playing pretty well. Um, And then unbeknownst to me, uh, another player's agent got a wind of me taking that player's playing time. And basically just started setting threats to the organization. Like, hey, I'm going to pull my guy out if you don't give him more playing time over this rookie that just came in out of nowhere. And that just kind of, like, screwed me over in a right. way because, like, up to December, I was playing really well. I was doing double-digit points and stuff. Uh, coming off the bench at first, but, you know, starting sparingly. And I felt like at that point, like, I was like, oh, I'm locking into that two-guard spot, like, to start. Uh, we came back from the Christmas break, and it was just like my ass was just sitting on the bench. And I, I didn't know why. I, I didn't change my attitude. I didn't get into a tip with the coaching staff or nothing. It was just I went from playing like 27 minutes a game to 18 to 15, and I just I never understood why. It wasn't until the end of the season that my agent at the time fired now. My agent at the time wow. told me that politics trying to play the reason as to why. I wasn't getting played. I was like, dude, you couldn't do the same thing for me? Like, right. But I guess as a rookie, I didn't really have too much of the leg to stand on when it came to, you know, making threats to the organization about pulling me out and, and placing me somewhere else. So things like that, you know, that certainly happens. Politics certainly plays a part into, you know, how basketball is played. But like I said, the best thing an agent can do is to place you in a situation where, you know, he has trust in that organization. He's worked with that organization before and, uh, I've been pretty blessed that the agent that I've had for the last five years now um, has done that for me. What? Okay, so l- let's now let's back up even more. Talk about Creighton here because you, mm-hmm. you, you committed to Dana Altman 
But then mm-hmm. Greg, you know, Coach Altman goes to Oregon, and now Greg McDermott, and all of a sudden, wing, bang, boom, he's going to be your head coach. Like, I know what that's like, where it's like, I committed to play for Roy Williams. Roy goes to right. play, goes to North Carolina. All of a sudden, Bill Self's my head coach. And, you know, that can go one of two ways, man. That can go really bad, or can obviously, in your case, it ended up going really well. What was, what was that like for you? Like, did you waver at all? Like, oh, do I really want to stay at Creighton? Do I really want to still be here? Or did you instantly know, like, okay, I like this Greg McDermott guy. This is going to work. Man, uh, as 17-year-old Jahans was freaking out yeah. that entire week. Yeah, I can tell you that much. But honestly, what put me, like, ahead above water was D-Rock. Coach DeVries was just steady in his commitment to Creighton. Like, he just wanted to be here so bad. And he was the guy that flew up to recruit me in Canada. He was the guy that, you know, offered to fly me down to Omaha and, and show me around campus. I met Altman on my visit, obviously. He's the head coach and all that stuff. That's just coach go out to recruit. You know, that's, that's not out of the sure. uh, regular, you know, way that things go. But uh, just knowing that D-Rock really, really wanted to stay, uh, you know, kind of kept me calm. And then, when Coach Mack took the job and Dirk announced that he was going to stay as an assistant, uh, it just, you know, it, it held my heart rate go down just a little bit. Gotcha. And then just that first conversation with Coach Mack, just, man, that guy is so personable, yeah. especially on the phone. Like, he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to, you know, calm situations down. So, like, he was just basically telling me, like, look, I've heard about you. Uh, you've been on our radar. Obviously, he was at Iowa State at the time. He's like, you've been on our radar as well. I would love for you to stay here, um, you know, and, and we, we definitely still have a, a place for you here. Uh, that meant the world to me. And then obviously, like you said, things definitely worked out well for me in my four years here. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You were an, an, an energy guy, uh, a dude that every time he walked into the locker room, the practice floor, like the vibe, the energy went up. I, I remember that, that I kind of felt like that was my role when I played. Like I had to be the guy that brought it energy wise every to every single weight room session, conditioning. Pre- like it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I had to bring the energy and kind of connect everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, like, wh- how was that for you? Because like I think it, it came natural for me as it did for you. But listen, it's not easy. Some days, <laughs> some days you show up, and you're like, man, you pick me up. You bring the energy, man. Like right. you talk, like. Did you have days where you were like, I just don't got it, but I got to dig in a little bit? Or or were you just the, what you see is what you get? It was every day Jahan's Managa was was feeling 100% and happy and energized. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not, brother. Hell no. Some days suck, man. You're, you're an 18-year-old kid. In my situation, I'm in a different country, right? 
uh, I miss my family. I miss my friends back home. Like those things are just natural. So some days you are down and all that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm just an upbeat guy in general. So it takes a lot to just hold me down, I guess. Yep. So even though like I might be feeling down for a couple of hours, man, all I need is like a breakfast sandwich and I'm cool. I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do remember my freshman year, I had a conversation with Coach Mac about literally what we're talking about. Um, it, it was just one of those days, right? Like I just missed my mom. I missed my brothers and my sister. Uh, and I was just kind of down. Like, it just held me down for longer than it usually did. And we had practice, and I didn't have the best practice. I wasn't the loudest guy. The next day, Coach Mack, like, called me into his office, uh, which was kind of routine. Like, anytime he, like, texted me or called me, I never felt like, oh, shit, like, I'm in yeah, trouble. Right, like, right, that right. was never, like, an issue for me. Right. He was like, oh, I'm just going to swing by Coach Mack. Let's see what he's got to say. And he, like, closed the door behind us when after I walked in. I was like, oh, wait, this is different. <laughs> this is different. And he sat me down, and he was just, like, fairly concerned. He was just like, hey, like, are, are you all right? Like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, what's up? He's like, you weren't there yesterday, brother. Like, you were there, but you weren't there. You weren't you. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I guess I missed home. Maybe I'm a little homesick. I don't know. And he looked at me in the eyes, and I'll never forget this. And I just, I kind of, like, decided to, to have that as like my battling cry a little bit he looked at me dead in the eyes and he said listen for us for this group you're not allowed to have a bad day you're not allowed to be the guy that mm. mopes around and and all that he's like you got enough of those guys and the reason why you know we love you so much is the energy and you always picking everybody up so if you have a bad day that gives reason for x and y and z to have a bad day as well so like challenge yourself to just, if, even if you feel that way, challenge yourself to to not present that like in front of your teammates because they're just going to feed off your energy. And if your energy is down, their energy is going to be even lower. And I just kind of understood the message in that. And uh, it's kept me going for like a really long time. Like even when I'm overseas, like the, the same kind of rules apply, right? I'm, I'm away from my friends, my family. I miss people. I get homesick. I'm in a different culture, in a different uh, territory, unfamiliar territory. But I'm just not allowed to have that day, I guess. I just have to show up and practice and do my job and be upbeat, be, be ready to go, you know, and do whatever it takes to not only get through that practice, but to get through that day and to get through that week and to get through that month and to get through that season. So that's just kind of the way that I look at it, and, and I just try to allow myself not to have a bad day. That's a cool story with, with Coach Mack there. That's a, you know, mm -hmm. because it's a, it's a valuable role for, for any team, and the key mm -hmm. is when it's appreciated. You know what I mean? Like when right. people recognize it, like it's one thing when you come in and you bring it every day authentically and everybody's just kind of no, no one values it. Then it gets hard to mm -hmm. continue to bring it every day. But if you're in an environment that appreciates that, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And I'm telling you, it matters. I'm telling you, even at a at like it say you work at a bank, you sell insurance like we all it's all <laughs> the same. Like you want people right. that show up to work that are enthusiastic and happy to be there and ha like so it's it's even just like a it's a life lesson too a little bit yeah for sure and one of the guys that i actually like really learned that from low-key is taylor stormberg yeah he was that way too uh, obviously we played different roles on the team him being a walk-on kind of the leader of you know scout team and everything and then me trying to be the leader of the team but taylor stormberg was a guy that every single day like, it didn't matter what was going on in his life. He was ready to go. 
Um, and I learned a lot from him, honestly, like, especially in my freshman year, because I'm like, what is this guy on? You know, <laughs> right. and that's coming from me. Right. I'm like, whatever he's having, I need to have too. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you just kind of learn that role from guys like that. And then, uh, like I said, like, I just allowed that to become like my calling card. And then now, because I've done it so often, it literally is natural, natural to right. me. No but matter it's also, what the situation is, but, like I'm gonna present myself as as soon as we touch the practice, the practice court. But but that's so because it's natural for Taylor. Like you run into Taylor. Mm-hmm. Like right now, if you ran into Taylor at Starbucks, he'd be crunk. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's oh, just hundred percent. That, yeah, and that's how. So it has to be authentic too, because you also yeah. get those dudes that show up at practice and they try to like. It's never good when it's not coming from a place of authenticity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you're if, you, if it's not it's not you. That's not you where it is it's real with you it's real with taylor like those guys you guys are just happy energetic dudes and so that also that's when it's like the the perfect combination is when it's authentic as well but yeah of course also people be able to sniff it out when it's yeah. not authentic too right. so like teammates will start looking at you sideways and be like man this is just doing too much right now yeah, but calm down, i think from the very start people understood like who i was and then it's like it kind of extends off the practice court too it's like when i see him on campus just like you said if you saw taylor at the bank like at at a library like they'd kick him out because like he'd be jumping on the table and stuff so yeah it's just like it extends beyond the practice court and it extends beyond basketball and it just it is who i am and i really enjoy being who i am so it's not going to stop anytime soon i can promise you that it better not give me i want to talk about doug for a little bit because you were his roommate and obviously you you guys were you know side by side for four straight years when when did you know it with Doug? Like when did it go from this guy's pretty good to like, okay, hold on, this guy's like this guy's like like the best player in the country and is like gonna play in the NBA? Like was there a game, a moment, a pickup game? Uh, was it an actual game? Like when did it click for you? Like holy shit, this guy's like this is another level. Uh, honestly, like if you want me to be totally honest, incoming freshman year summer league. Okay. Honestly, like that's when I first saw like the first glimpse, like dude doesn't miss inside of 15 feet and he could shoot the three like and coming from Canada, like I hadn't seen too many guys at six, eight, whatever you want to list Doug at, at the time that was able to do that. So I'm like, yo, dude, this dude is fucking good. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, and then two a days where like just bigger bodies were just winging up against him and that every single day like he just came back and was kicking ass right i was like homie look homie can go yeah. i remember having a conversation with my brother i was just like yo my roommate though like low-key i think they're gonna try to register him but he could go right. like he could really play and then obviously we understand what doug's story became to be but i i saw some glimpses early on but like honestly uh there was a couple of times early, early freshman year. I'm talking about like first, second week of school. Doug would just wake up at like 6.30 in the morning. I'd still be asleep. I could just hear him kind of like shuffling him out. And he would just like leave the room. I would like catch up with him for a lunch later. I'd be like, dude, why were you up so early? He'd be like, I just want to get some shots up. I just want to get some shots. Like he would say that like a few times. And finally, like I, I just kind of caught on. It's like, dude, next time you go, wake me up. Like, give me just a five minutes heads up. Like, I'll, I'll go with you. Right. And then we started going in together a little bit, and and I just kind of understood, like, oh, I, I that's what it, you have to work to get there. Oh, I get it. You know. <laughs> right. uh, and then, but it's just his talent was just undeniable. Like, 
he was going to be the best player on our team no matter what. If they had redshirted him, he would have been the best player the next year, you know? Right, so, right. Or he would have just kicked our ass while being on scout team the whole time. So I'm just happy that they decided to allow him to play Man. and that he was wearing the same jersey that I was during all those practices. I never had to deal with that issue. Yeah, because I had – I there were two moments for me. One was mm-hmm. I, I – it was a – summer and D-Rock texts me and you guys were short bodies and and you needed someone to come play pickup and we could only play mm-hmm. three on three and Doug was one of the guys yeah and like you said they were thinking about red shirting him so I play three on three against Doug and I'm like oh my god like yeah <laughs> this is you know what I mean because it's just different like these little flip ups off the window and like all this stuff right. and like I remember going straight down to D-Rock's office and I'm like I'm like, D-Rock, you're going to redshirt Doug? He was like, yeah, it's yeah. possible. And I was like, he's like the best player on the team. He was like, seriously? <laughs> I'm like, yes, like, this dude is, is, is good. And then for me, the, the game, do you remember the Bradley game where he had 44 at Bradley and I think he missed like three shots? That was the first game that I was like, okay, this, th- this dude, this is different. I-, I knew after that game, the Bradley game, 44 points, in Peoria, I was like, okay, this is like, this is different. That that was the, do you remember that game? Did you got like, do you remember being like, uh Oh, this is, this guy's different here. Right. So uh, I'm his roommate, right? So I saw it a little bit earlier, but specifically about that game, that was the first time I caught myself standing and watching <laughs> and recognizing greatness for what it was. Right. If you go back on that tape, I would literally like the outlet would come to Antoine and then he would push the ball up. We get into like our secondary break. I would literally run to the corner. And as soon as Doug touched the ball, I was just, that, that was it. That was my possession right there. Cause I just wanted to just look. Right. And I, I remember, I, I don't remember the name of the guy who was defending me, but I just can't remember. I remember saying, Hey, you're not going to go double. <laughs> hey, leave me go do something. Cause you're always going to cook over there. Right. And he just, and he was kind of going back and forth with me. He's like, man, you know, I can't leave you. And I was just like, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> I guess that's the choice that as a coaching staff, you got, that's the choice that you guys made to pick your poison. That's the poison that you choose to die with, I guess. Um, and uh, Doug funny. was just, Killing, oh, man. Oh my God. God. It was like post us, pick and pop three, spin moves on the block. Everything. Dirk, I think that was the first time he hit him with the, the first Dirk, Dirk fadeaway. Yes. I was like, man, kid is having himself a game. And, you know, he never looked back after that. <laughs> but yeah, that, I vividly remember that game. Be like, okay, we got a defensive rebound. Just run to the corner and look. <laughs> and, and you have a first class seat. To a beautiful show. Oh, so it was man, nuts, that was man. Such a, that was such a wonderful game, and I, that memory for me was awesome. Yes, yeah, awesome crazy. memory to be a part of. What What was the okay? Everybody's talked about the the you know the Greg and and Doug father son dynamic from their perspective. Mm-hmm. What was it like from your perspective? Like if me just swooping in to be around the team a little bit on road trips, all that stuff. Like I never like you wouldn't other than the fact that kind of look alike. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't have known. The way they interacted, that they were father and son. Like, what was it like for you being a teammate? Did you guys ever like? Did you ever see anything that was that was like, man, he's giving him preferential treatment or anything like that? Because it never, I never, I've never heard anybody say anything like that. No, uh, definitely not. And I've been asked this question like so often throughout the years. Like, yo, was there nepotism there? Like, right. were all the players called for? No, Doug was that good, and Coach Mack did the best thing for the team <laughs> was to call 
friggin' Dakota for Doug as often <laughs> as you possibly could. You know what I mean? Right. So like in my from my perspective, no, I didn't. Uh I know that Doug early on had a little bit of trouble with it. Sure. Uh to the point where like psychologically for himself to allow himself to get over that hump, uh, he changed Coach Mac's name on his phone from dad to coach Greg McDermott. Right. I think for him that just that sealed the deal. Like, okay, like I have to approach it in such a manner for us to be successful. So, uh, that's a cool little insight that I'm not sure too many people know about. Um, but I do remember the time where like, it was efficient for all of us. I would say, I will speak for myself. I'm not going to say for everybody, but when I really, really noticed it was a time where coach Mac just got into us, just slid us up after a practice. So we all come down and, you know, Doug's always like one of the last guys to leave because he's always up there shooting. So we're all in the locker room, like, man, there's some bullshit. Like these coaches are going crazy on us. What the, you know what I mean? Like right, the typical right, right, locker room after a tough practice. And then Doug walks in and like the room kind of goes silent a little bit. And Doug goes, man, dudes upstairs were tripping today. I don't know what they be on. And then we're like, yeah! He's one of us. He's one of us. So after that happened, I think we we're all like, and that was like super early on. Sure. Too. Like, especially like Coach Mac came in and his job was to rebuild Creighton to what it was supposed to be, right? I think yeah. at that point, we had missed the tournament for like six years in a row. And that just doesn't sit well with the Creighton fan base. No. Like, we're used to winning, we're used to being on the big stage. So, uh, Coach Mack came in with Coach Lutz and D-Rock and, and Coach Murfeld. And, you know, uh, they just were just trying to lay down the law. Look, all the, all that stuff of playing soft and being called soft, that's no longer going to apply to us. We're going to be a, a tough team that's going to defend and we're going to run our offense and we're going to execute. And when push comes to shove, we're not going to fold. Like, that was their mentality when they came in. They were just trying to build the, their culture. Uh, so that first year, like we took the brunt of a lot of that stuff because again, like they're just trying to make sure that we knew from the very beginning, uh, you know, what was going to fly and what was not. Right. Um, and, and like I said, like that story of Doug, like just, just being one of us, uh, certainly <laughs> sticks great. out in my mind as, as a it. moment when I realized, oh, this is not no father son right, dynamic right, right. when, when we're in those four lines on the court, this is really player and coach and, and they're both trying their best to. Um, make the team better. Yeah, that's a good little anecdote there. I've uh, mm-hmm. I've talked to I've talked to Doug about this and Coach McDermott about this. But to me, with with that group, you know, you Doug, Ethan Gibbs, you know that the core group, there were two turning points to me. One one I guess didn't necessarily didn't have Gibbs involved, but it was I thought the CBI run your freshman year was really important. Like you guys mm-hmm. found your style and and you guys needed to learn how to win close games. You were able to do that. And then I thought the road win at San Diego State, your sophomore yeah. year, was a huge. I do. I vividly remember walking out of mm-hmm. the arena and being like, "There's something special with this group." Like, and you, you mm-hmm. just feel it change. Did those? Did, did you feel the same way? I, those, I would say, those two moments legit. You've done your research, man. God damn. Okay, yeah. those two moments. Come oh, on, bro. I literally, I don't even know what else I could add. Maybe aside from the fact that, like. Uh, we kind of caught lightning in a bottle in a sense with the CBI run because pretty much all year we were playing a certain way. And then the coaching staff just opened up the offense. They just decided, look, like let's use these as like practice games, essentially like preparing for next year. And they just opened up the offense in in a totally different way that, that really became uh, what we were all about for the next three years. 
So we were, I think we were averaging like maybe like 70 ish points a game. And then in the CBI run, we were up to like almost 90 ish points a game. And not even that, like we did anything too vastly different. We just decided to play at a much quicker pace. We wouldn't walk the ball up the floor after made baskets anymore. We decided to just take the ball out as quickly as possible and, and just run it up. And then obviously with the addition of Grant Gibbs as such a great passer and such a smart guy that he was, it just took that, uh, philosophy to a whole nother level. It allowed Antoine Young to get off the ball a little bit more, so he became much more of a scorer his senior year. And I think also, like, kudos to Antoine. He mm-hmm. became a much better leader that senior year, too. So he was able to place us all in, in better positions to score, and, and he just gained the trust of the coaching staff to be able to do that as well. So, uh, But, yeah, that San Diego State game, man. Woo! man. Being down 17 in the first half, having to climb our way back, Ethan Roggy going crazy. Nuts. That was maybe one of my first uh, introductions to what Roggy bombs are all about, <laughs> yeah. you know, because he had to sit out that second half of that first year with that plantar fasciitis that bothered mm-hmm. him so much. Um, yeah, it was just, man, what a game, you know, like, yeah. honestly, what a game. And for it to end on an Ethan layup of all baskets. Incredible, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it just had a, it of all had, basket. Of all it of was them. me driving, dishing it to Ethan for a layup <laughs> of all the ways that it could end. Man, that that's incredible. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think either Tuan might have gotten foul trouble in the first. Austin came in. It was it was mm-hmm. Austin's first big moment too. Like I think Chapman came in and played really well, and you were like, okay, this kid can come in and and change the feel of the game and all that. Like mm-hmm. it was just a uh, all around. It was incredible, man. It was just a. It was a. It was a. It, it was a seminal moment for your group. Did you? Did you feel like? The, the move to the Big East, did the jump feel significant for you guys from the Valley? Like, in the moment, was it like, whoa, this is different. This is way – this is up another level. How did, did, how did it feel for you for that one year? It, it was like – it was so exciting. Anything that's new is always going to be exciting, right? So it's like, oh, we're not taking a road trip to Peoria. We're taking a road trip to Washington, D.C. Right. Oh, we're not going to Indiana State. We're going to – Villanova you know what I mean like it's just all of that was just different and the reason why we were so successful that year is because like you said we had three years of playing together already so we were just a well-old machine I don't think that 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 iteration of the Big East was ready for what we were presenting at that time you know Uh, I think we caught a lot of teams by surprise Uh, and that was a little shock too because we went 16 and 0 at home that year and I think that was the first time in a really long time that a Crane team did that because we would, a, a Valley team would come to CenturyLink uh, and, and, well, I guess CenturyLink at the time, Shy Health Center now, yeah. um, and and give us a run for our money. And you'd have like a Colt Ryan that would go for 46 and we would <laughs> barely win that game. Or you have a Missouri State team with a Kyle Weems, right. just very big and experienced and would just, you know, use that experience against us and, and beat us at home. But we went 16 and 0 senior year, and I was just like, "This is different. Like, this it feels awesome, but it, it's certainly different." So, um, I just think we were just ready for that challenge because we were just so we, we were just so trusting of one another um, by that point. But yeah, it was certainly different, especially like when we were on the road, just just to be at a, a bigger arenas, being on national TV pretty much every single game. 
um, that that certainly felt good, and it was different from what we had experienced being in the valley. So I was thinking about obviously in Jul- on July first. But, but I'm a valley boy, though. Don't get it. Hey, I know, man. I know. I'm like a, I'm, I play valley, though. High key. I, 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 I like mit- the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. I miss going mm-hmm. to St. Louis. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love Madison Square Garden in New York, and the Big East tournament is like arguably the the goat of conference tournaments. Um, yeah. But I, you know, yeah, it's hard. You know, it's like you, you, I, I. I am a I'm a valley guy in my heart at times, man. It's tough mm-hmm. to there there are times I miss I, I, I miss playing uh northern Iowa and I miss the, the Valley tournament. But nevertheless, right. like like you said, playing uh playing in the garden and playing Villanova and playing, you know, Georgetown, that's not bad either. That's that's, that's right. pretty good. That's pretty good. And now I got that cheer for D Rock who's doing his thing there at Drake, go. man. He's man, he's killing. So I, I catch myself watching more Valley games than I probably should at this stage <laughs> of my career and in my life, but still, it's good to see how good Drock is doing. And like, I, he was the guy that came up to see me in Canada. He's the one that brought me out of Canada and brought me to the states to play Division One basketball. Man, I'm always going to be a fan of that. Nothing guy. makes me feel older than Tucker watching like highlights oh, of Tucker. Like oh, Tucker's, God. Tucker is like the... about that to somebody the other day. Like when we lost to Baylor my senior year, it was like Drew Burfeld and Tucker DeVries and like. Uh, JC and Jordan Vandaloo. They were literally, we were all in the lobby in the hotel and we were all crying together because we understood it was going to be the last time right. <laughs> we were going to, they're going to see me play. And now they're all making college decisions it's crazy, or are already right? in college or about to be in college. Like it's, it's insane how quickly time has flown. And yeah, I, I definitely feel old just watching all of that develop right beneath our eyes. Yeah, it's nuts. For people to know, Tucker DeVries is Coach DeVries' son and he is like mm-hmm. a baller. Like, dude is a, great player he's going to play for mm-hmm. his dad at drake and yeah this i'm sure everybody has that that person in their life that for whatever reason they're always kind of like five years old to you like that's tucker for me right. like like yeah. tucker like just whenever i see tucker now i'm like my god this is time needs <laughs> to slow down you know it's crazy to me. hey you want to know loki who that is for me uh avery dingman <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know why, but every time I see Avery, even to this day, he always says the same thing to me, and I always say the same thing to him. It's like I'm still a sophomore, and he's still a freshman. <laughs> like we always look at each other that way, and I don't think it's ever going. We're going to be sixty, and we're going to be talking like that to each other. I promise you. But like every time I run into him, every time I see him, man, it's always all love. And he's like, Jay, like I don't get it. Like I feel like you're still a sophomore right now, and I'm just still a freshman. And that's just always how it's going to be. <laughs> So funny. One of my favorite favorite Avery Dingman lines that he gave me one time that he was let we for some whatever reason I was sitting next to him on the road eating and we were talking about like sleeping and not being able to sleep at night. And he was like he was like, I need he was like, you know what I need is I need to just pull up some Evansville sideline out of bounds plays and I will fall asleep immediately and I was dying. He's like, I need to pull up some Evansville slobs, and I will fall asleep in some minutes. Oh, my God. That's, that's, I don't know why that's my first Avery, Avery Dingman. Avery Dingman is such a character. I love it. I, I'm not shocked at all by him saying that. Oh, I was, like, crying. I was crying with him yeah. somewhere. It was it was good. This episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Runza. Runza and my pod have teamed up for a sweet summer sweepstakes that can win you some great prizes, including an amazing Grand prize. Head over to herdapmedia.com backslash ba sweeps. That's herdapmedia.com backslash ba sweeps and enter for your chance for 
the grand prize of, wait for it, one Runza combo meal a month for an entire year, plus a Nick Bob podcast t-shirt. That's right. One Runza combo meal a month for an entire year. Absolutely incredible. Plus, there are other great prizes as well. So head over to herdapmedia.com backslash boss sweeps. Get registered, and you might get your free runs a game right once per month for an entire year. Again, that's herdapmedia.com backslash boss sweeps to enter. Runza and the Nick Bob podcast, a winning combination trying to make you a winner. Runza makes it all better. So, with because I was thinking about this with your because your team was so star studded and so you know, popular and famous in Omaha that I was thinking about your team with the name, image, and likeness stuff that's happened. So, you know, on July 1st now, NIL, where players can make money off themselves, that era is officially here. Mm-hmm. What, what is your – what's your reaction to it? Because obviously I'm I'm super happy for the players. I certainly wish that, that I could have had it. I sure you wish you guys could have had it. But I'm curious just what your initial thoughts are being someone that's gone through college, not being able to have it. Now you're looking back. It's it's implemented now. What do you think of it? Man, I, when I first saw that, uh, you know, I guess being signed into law is that how it happened. But um, basically, when I just saw that players had an opportunity not to make money off their likeness, a couple of thoughts ran through my head. First of all, Doug would have been a cajillionaire. Yeah. Because I remember freshman year, those when Teach Me How to Dougie came out, yeah. there was a shirt that was being passed around, and the th- the E's were replaced with threes, and it said Teach Me How to Dougie on it, and everyone in the student section had it. I was like, Doug could have, woo, right. Doug could have raked up. And then you gave me a nickname. So I feel like I certainly could have monetized that. You could have. One way, shape, or form. Red Bull was going to call me and give me a cease and desist letter at yeah. some point. But by that point, I would have already made what I needed to make, yeah. probably. Right. But honestly, in all uh, seriousness, I'm very happy that the players are able to do that. It's long overdue. Uh, for a lot of these guys, uh, that's the height of their popularity. Not everybody plays pro. Not, not everybody plays pro overseas, even. A lot of guys, they have these four years, and that's it. They're never going to be more popular than than where they're yes. at right now and the fact that like you know the ncaa makes money the universities make money the coaches make money everybody's making money but the players uh, that just never sat right with me um so i'm glad that they were able to rectify that situation and i hope that the guys who are in this current situation right now don't take it for granted look mm-hmm. you come on campus you have maybe one maybe two maybe three maybe four years who knows you know how good of a player you'll become uh but you have a chance that a lot of people wish they had. You know, I wish I had an opportunity my freshman year to make, I don't know, maybe $100,000 for that year. You know, that would have been a lot better than the 80 bucks my sister used to send me every <laughs> once in a while, which honestly could have been 80000 at that point. Sure. That's how much I needed money when I was a freshman, you know. So um, take advantage of it. And if you can monetize, you know, your likeness, do so. And do so in, a, in an intelligent way and and you know, find a financial advisor that's going to help you save the money that you made. Don't go blow it all on Jordans and stuff right. like that. Just do what you have to do. Cause you know, you're, you're now in a position where you can not only help yourself out, but help your family out as well. And I know a lot of these college students come from kind of the same background that I came from. You know, my father passed away my senior year of high school. My mom was basically by herself raising four kids were all in college at the time. I'm, I'm blessed that I got a scholarship and I was able to, you know, take some financial burden 
away from her. But could you imagine if I was in a position where I could make some more money and send back home during that time? Right. Uh, you know, right. kids, kids who have maybe not the exact same story, but similar stories who come from impoverished backgrounds can now say that. And, and you need to really take that seriously. Um, so I hope that the guys who, who are able to do that, you know, kind of take an intelligent approach with all of this and, and are able to really help themselves out and help their families out as well. Totally agree with, uh, mm-hmm. So since we last talked, you know, we talked a little bit about, hey, what's Creighton going to look like next year? Because obviously they lost, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much their their entire core group. There's been a lot of roster additions since we last talked to the yeah. tune of now. Creighton has a top five recruiting class in the country, which is just amazing to say out loud. You know, I mean, what what or maybe who are you most excited to see or watch next year? Is it your fellow Canadian? Is it Nemhard? Like, what what mm-hmm. what do you think? Two guys, it's both Ryan's. It's got to be College Brenner. It's got to be Nemhard for sure. Nemhard, obviously near and dear to my heart. Canadian, only second uh, Canadian to ever play on the program, me being the first. So I'm very excited to see how well he's going to do. I'm obviously, I have, I have a keen interest sure. in seeing a Canadian perform well with a Blue Jay uniform on. And obviously College Brenner. The last time that you and I talked, I told you that I felt like the, the best thing that happened to him was him pretty much getting his ass kicked with those Gonzaga bigs who ran rub shot on him during the tournament. Uh, I think he's come back a better player. Uh, from what I've seen him, a little bit I've seen him earlier in the summer, he's bigger, he's stronger, he looks like he's in better shape. He just won gold with Team USA uh, in Latvia. So that's another feather in the cap for him. I think he's going to come back with a whole ton of confidence. Uh, and, and he kind of steps into that leadership role. You know, you look at who the elder statements are on that team, the guys who are playing, it was uh, Alex O'Connell being a senior. It's uh, Sharif, not only being a hometown guy, but being a junior. Wow, how quickly does time fly? Know, Sharif geez. is already a junior. And then now Kalkbrenner, who had a, a ton of minutes at that center spot, who's going to gain, uh, or who's going to get a lot more minutes now, you know, that Christian Bishop chose to transfer. So um, it, it's going to be a very interesting team to watch. And then, man, no one should sleep on Arthur. Man, that kid is going to be really, 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 really good. Um, I just can't wait to see how Coach Mack puts the group together this upcoming year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm super excited. I cannot wait to get a look at these dudes and, and mm-hmm. watch Coach McDermott kind of put them all in the right position to to, to flourish. Um, we'll get you out of here on this. I got a kind of handful of like, uh, you know, quick hitter things to kind of throw at you. Uh, what, I guess, Canadian culture versus American culture. Like, what's the biggest difference? Was there, and how big of a challenge was it when you, when you came to Omaha? Uh, not too much of a difference. Uh, I'm really trying to think right now. I guess, <laughs> I guess it would be more like nuanced things. So like maybe the way that I spoke kind of sure. people the wrong way a little bit. Yeah. If I got the American accent that I was supposed to get, uh, I used to say a a lot. I kind of cut that out of my vernacular a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, not, not too many differences. Uh, and also, like, you're kind of uh, being a great men's basketball player. People are just naturally, you know, nice to you, I guess. I guess that's one of the perks of being on the team. So they give you the benefit of the doubt uh, early on. So I was able to just kind of, you know, people were treated friendly. It actually reminded me a lot of Canada. Right. That's how people naturally are over there. And that's how people, I feel, are naturally here. So uh, not too much of a difference. But I feel like we just talked about Ryan Namhard. He's He's going to be able to adjust really quickly. And also, he was in Florida for... High sure, school. he'll be makes fine. a difference. He'll, he'll, be, he'll fine. be totally fine. Uh, yeah. If slash when 
you uh, you you win this tournament and you get your cut of the million bucks, what's mm-hmm. the first thing you're gonna go buy? What's what's Shahin's man guy gonna go buy when he wins this million? The bulk of it is gonna be put in a bank for sure. Savings account, yeah, for sure. Look at you, what you're boring. You are boring. Fisc- fiscally responsible, Dennis. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'll take my mom and my grandma out to dinner when I get back to Canada there before we go. I head back overseas. There How we about go. That? Who was uh funniest teammate in your time at Creighton? Who was it? Oh, you can't put me on the spot like that. You had a man. lot of funny dudes. You had a lot of funny dudes. Yo, you know what? I'm going to go to my OG, Daryl Ashford, on the lows. <laughs> the funniest guy, man. Honestly. like, And it's so low-key, his sense of humor. Like, right. You literally have to be right next to him to hear the nonsense that he whispers. But if you catch what he's saying, man, you're going to be rolling all day. Darryl. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Daryl. And yes. nobody be mad at me, too. Hey, I don't want anybody raking me over the leaves over this question. No, no. I know people are going to hit my DMs. Like, yo, you couldn't mention me? Come on, man. It's fine. You guys were all funny. God damn. Everybody was funny. But Daryl did have – Daryl had a very subtle, low-key, laid-back humor to him that was different. Yeah. It was very different yeah. from everybody. It was great. Uh, favorite game? Favorite game at Creighton? Uh, has to be on the road at Villanova yep. for sure. Oh God, uh, see that's blasphemous to say because Wichita State last game of the Valley going out as a winner. People Oof. forget about that one. People sleep I, I let on that your one. fans pick one of those two. How about that? There you go. Uh, could you play two guard for Grant Gibbs as your coach? How would that go? Uh, I would get chewed out. It would be kind of <laughs> a little bit like the Josh Jones situation. Anytime you tell me not to shoot, I look at him sideways. Um, <laughs> But also, I I would trust that if I chose to play for Grant, that he would put me in the right position. He would. So you know I, he would. I think it would be fine. You know he would. By the way, are you surprised yeah. at all? Like we all knew. I mean, like I'm not I'm not too surprised to see Gibbs, you know, rising up the coaching ranks. Are you surprised mm-hmm. at all? Uh, no, <laughs> not no. Right. Not even a bit. Not even a single bit. Uh, favorite favorite player, favorite Creighton player to come after you. So after you graduated, is there Ooh. is there a guy that you've watched here like, I love that guy. I wish I could have played oh. with that guy. Is there but, one dude that stands out? There's two. Uh, Kyrie Thomas, Damian Jefferson, because yeah. I felt like both those guys kind of embodied the way that I played, mm-hmm. but they did it at such a higher level. Like Those guys <laughs> were buckets and they could defend their asses off. So, um, yeah, those two guys stand out to me for sure. And then obviously, like, I don't know, I love watching Marcus Foster. Like the best, just in my opinion, it. the best ever Creighton player at making really, really tough shots, like <laughs> shots that you shouldn't be taking right. that he was making. Right. So, yeah, I loved watching him play too. Yeah, okay, and then I have to imagine another answer. Is Drake, is Drake the GOAT rapper? I mean, like, is he is he your Stop fave? It. Next question. Is Next that, question. Is that Stop obvious? Next There's not question. even a debate. <laughs> Next question. Is Drake the Jay-Z, number? Like, is he? Does Jay-Z, he run Canada? Jay Z for me because of my childhood. I okay. have to say Jay Z. But man, what Drake has done, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like that. Like he literally switched the game up with everything that he's able to do. Like you never know. You hear a song title from Drake, and you're like, "There's no way, man. There's no way he's got a song called Passion Fruit." And then you listen to it, and then you're like, "Passion Fruit is the best song on this album." <laughs> So he's just his range is just crazy. So I think he said it's it best. hard to not say he's at the top. Well, you said it best. Whatever the bar, I can't remember how the bar started. But it was like that's why every song sounds like Drake featuring Drake. Like he's one of the wow. only dudes that can, like, 
because he can sing, he can rap, like he can do a whole song, and it can it it just it touches on yeah. all the notes, you know. Do you? He also said, uh, "If all I hear is me, then who should I be afraid of?" I'm like, boy, spit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I do remember. Who, yeah. I can't remember who's. Uh, we were at me and you were at a wedding, and you, we were at a bar, and I I walked up next to you, and I knew that if I dropped this line on you, it's not a Drake line, but you would enjoy uh-huh. it. I dropped up to you, and I just looked at you, and I said, "Futuristic handgun. If you act foul, you get two <laughs> foul, shots. You get two shots and one." <laughs> was it Caleb's wedding? It might have been. been it might have been. It might have been. I was like, that bar was in my head. That Lil Wayne bar yeah. was in my head. And I was like, yeah. I gotta go give it to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta. I know yeah. Jahins will know it, so I had to go. I had to go of give course. that one to you. You know. Hey, if I remember correctly, you and I were ripping the dance floor. If I remember correctly, man, you and I had never really. You know, we we've collaborated on the basketball floor, but we've never uh-huh. collaborated on the dance floor, and we were quite the collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, we yeah we were. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can leave it at that before we get uh, get into too many more ridiculous stories. I can't go out with you guys anymore, man. You guys are on another level. Are you guys old now? Are you guys can't you guys can't let it rip like no. you used to be able to let it rip? You want to you want to feel old? I just turned thirty, brother. How about that? <laughs> Damn, I know. Like you guys, I can't have you guys get in your thirties, man. Yeah, I mean we're we're all here, Doug. Uh, as soon as what January third hits, it's right. all of us. The whole group is going to be thirty, so Jeez. you better be ready for it. Okay, all right, we'll go. Yeah. We'll go get like the early bird special and day yeah. drink. I call it call it a night at nine thirty. That's I what know. we'll do. We'll Grand has been it. doing that for half a decade now. So we're <laughs> That's good. true. That's true. <laughs> Jahin's man, a guy. Hey man, best yes, of luck sir. in the tournament. I'll be watching. I'll be cheering for you. This was great. Really appreciate it, man. Yes, sir, Nick Bob. Appreciate you, brother. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.